Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, I want you to turn it to the book of Galatians. And uh, we're going to talk today about freedom and, and the freedom in Christ and the things that uh, walking by the Spirit and living by the Spirit. And I believe that God has called us not to just be a, a people who robotically go through motions or just try to figure out the best way to uh, navigate situations, but God's really called us to be spiritual people, spiritual people. And you read these stories about guys like these prophets in the Old Testament who seem to just wander around and have some voice always talking to them. It seemed like they were just walking around and being led everywhere they went by voices and fires and signs all over the place. And sometimes you say, well, if I was, in the, if I was getting that, if I were in their position, I'd be powerful too. I'd be excited too. Or you look in the New Testament at some of these apostles and you see stories of you know, Peter's shadow passing over uh, a group of people and them being healed just, just by being in the same vicinity as somebody who was anointed. You read stories about a guy like Philip who hears the Spirit of God say, start walking down a desert road. It's a 50-mile road that is deserted, has no water, has no uh, oasis. And he's just told to walk down it. And then the Spirit of God says, run, catch that chariot. And he runs after a chariot. He leads a guy to the Lord and then is just taken somewhere else. And we say, well, if those kind of things happen to me, boy, I'd be, I mean, if that happened to me, I'd be a powerful, I mean, I'd be, I would be that kind of person. I'd be like Philip if those things happened to me. But you realize that in order for a guy like Philip to be translated, to be taken from one place to another, he had to just start walking down a desert road. That, That was what God told him to do. You know, God didn't say, Phil, I've got a plan here. What's going to happen is you're going to walk to this point. Then you're going to start running. You're going to catch a chariot. You're going to lead a man to the Lord. You're going to baptize him. Then after that, I'm just going to take you from one place and put you in another place. God told him nothing. He just said, start walking. And sometimes that's what God will tell us. Just start walking. But you've got to be led by the Spirit at all times and be a spiritual person. What that means is we realize all of us are spirits, right? The Bible kind of teaches that we're I don't think kind of teaches, really teaches that we're a three-part being. You are a spirit. That's who you are. You were born a spirit, but that spirit, uh, I mean, because of sin, because of the curse, that spirit was dead. It wasn't really active. I mean, it was, it's who you are, but it had no power. Then when Jesus came, he bought you back. He redeemed you. He rescued you. He ransomed you. And all of a sudden, you were alive. That spirit is who you really are. Your soul as the Bible describes it, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's, that's that part of you that makes decisions. That's the part of you that feels emotional. That's the part of you that thinks about things. Then you, have, you live in a body. We know about this body. Sometimes this body is a good thing. Sometimes it's a troubling thing. But throughout the Scripture, we find out that as soon as we get born again, a change takes place. See, the New Testament tells us that there are There was a time before we knew Jesus when we were walking in darkness and there were two things that were leading us around. Number one was our flesh. And that just means that you did whatever felt good. You were no better than an animal, really. I hate to say that. But this is what animals do. When animals want to eat, they eat. When they want to go to the bathroom, they don't care where they are. I mean, unless you've trained an animal, and even if you train that dog, don't, don't, don't relieve yourself in the, in the living room. You can't relieve yourself in the living room. That dog is not thinking. It wouldn't be right 
for me to relieve myself in the living room. That dog isn't thinking, think of all that trouble they're going to have to go through to clean this up. The dog is only thinking, the last time I did this, I got a newspaper to the bottom, and it didn't feel good. I'm not going to do this anymore. The dog is just trained. His flesh is trained. He really isn't a moral being now. He's not making moral choices. He's not thinking, what's best for everybody? Dogs don't think like that. Animals don't think like that. I hate to be frank with you, but if they want to make babies, they'll make babies whenever they want with however many other dogs they want to do that with. (laughs) If you look around at society, they're not that different. Maybe we we do choose where we go to the bathroom. We're good about that. But there is a constant leading of the senses. Whatever feels good, do that. Whatever feels good, that's, that's what you should do. That's called being led by your flesh. Then we've got some who are a little bit more civilized, and and at times we we say, well, I'm not just going to do what feels good. I'm going to do what seems right. The Bible teaches us before your mind was renewed that people were being led around by the futility of their mind, that your mind was leading you in the wrong places because you don't know as much as you think you know. The Bible talks about a, a time where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that didn't turn out well. Because your eyes aren't the same as God's eyes. And God sees what you don't see. And the Bible tells us that before we got born again, we were blind. So if you're blind, you really can't go through life explaining what the world looks like. Because you don't have the eyes to see that. So when we got born again, you were given eyes. Your eyes were open. You could finally see what God saw. And every day now, as a born-again believer, we're choosing that the Spirit is going to be the boss. You still have a choice, whether I go back into that old way or whether I follow the way that God's called me to, whether I'm led by His Spirit, and His Spirit communicates to your spirit. So that's the thing that's got to win every battle. Every argument has got to be won by the Spirit. Thank God, here's the deal. Before you were born again, your spirit couldn't win any battles. You had no strength to win there. Your flesh was in control. But the moment you got saved, Jesus did really save you. And He gave you life into that Spirit. And He crucified your flesh on the cross. And stripped it of all its power over you. So any believer now that is bound to your flesh, it's not because you really are bound by any real force. It's because you're choosing to let that flesh have its way. Here's what it says in Galatians. We're going to go to chapter 5. I wish we had time to read the whole book, but you guys look hungry already. (laughs) Galatians 5 for the word. Well, praise God. The previous chapters, before we get to this point, have been speaking to a church in Galatia that has um, fallen back into some old patterns. It was a church that had both Jewish believers and Gentile believers. But the Gentile believers had been told by some new Jewish believers who'd come in that, oh, wait a second. You guys are living like you don't have to obey, that you don't have to live according to the law anymore. I saw you guys eat ham. I don't know. I mean, I saw you guys doing this or wearing mixed fabric. You can't do this kind of stuff. And they began to live according to the law again. The law was in the Old Testament what everybody lived by. It was the law, everybody in Israel at least, the law of Moses given to the people. God gave that law. It was pure. It was holy. But the law's function was to reveal sin, was to show your inadequacy. It could not fix your problems. 
It just showed you that you had problems. And so they, of course, were unable to really please God without faith. And when we come to this time in, in the early church, this church had received Jesus, had believed in Jesus, had been set free. Then some maybe well-meaning, maybe well not, not well-meaning people came and tried to convince them that you're wasting your time. You need to go back and go back to some of these old cultural ways. You need to go back and, and, and embrace the law again because truly it's God's word. And, and you know, if it's God's word, we, uh, that's what we should live by. And that's true. But before this, they were living in the freedom of Jesus. They were living by the Spirit. And they went back to the law, which primarily, listen, before you got born again, you may have known the law. You may have known what was right and wrong. How many of you remember trying to do the right thing and having trouble doing that? Do you remember that? And you thought, man, it's mind over matter. If I can just, if I can just power of the will, if I can just control myself. And you try every time, if I can just control myself. I just, and, and you know what? When you fall down, there's all that guilt. And you spend a couple of days just saying, what an idiot. And then you try it again. Somebody motivates you. Somebody inspires you. And you see a story on TV. And you say, I can do that too. And you try again. But ultimately, it's just your power, your willpower that's fighting the power of the flesh. And it, it wasn't able to do what it needed to do. Maybe you did quit smoking. Maybe you did quit drinking. But you always were left with those strong urges. But when you got born again, your spirit came alive, as we said. That's what happened to this church. The spirit came alive. All of a sudden, they were discovering that, that we could live by the spirit. We could hear the voice of God, that, that God wanted to have a relationship with me. And some guys came in and said, well, listen, God already told us how to live. And they, they brought them back to the law. And instead of relying on God, they began once again to rely on themselves. I can do this. I can meet the requirements that God has. If I just try harder, I can meet His requirements. And they failed at it. And the Apostle Paul said, Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who came in and taught you this? Listen, when I read the Ten Commandments, I thank God because it shows me what God's like. And I know by the power of the Spirit, I can meet every single one of those things. By the law of love, I can meet every one of those things. But I don't go back and read it and say, well, if I just try harder, I can do it. I, I don't live by the law. I, I know the law. And I know that I will fulfill the law because of Jesus, because of the, the, the love in me. I can walk as I walk in love, as I walk by the Spirit. I'll meet every one of those requirements. But that's not my guideline. That's not how I meet those requirements. I've got to listen to the voice of God. And so this is what they were doing in, in, in chapter 5. He says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to slavery. Jesus set you free. Don't go back to the old way. He said, behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. That, he doesn't just mean if you happen to be circumcised. He means if you're trying to meet God's requirements by your flesh, if you're trying to do this yourself, Christ is of no value. It addresses this in Hebrews as well. You had a group of people that were covering all their bases. They're like, we're born again, but just in case, we're still going to offer these old sacrifices. I believe that Jesus is my high priest, but just in case, I'm going to go to the other high priest as well. And they're trying to live in both camps, try to keep one foot in both lakes, and you can't do it. 
You tried to live by the law and by the Spirit, and, you, and it really didn't happen. It didn't work. So he says, if you try to go back to that old way, if you try to meet God's requirements in your own flesh, it says Christ will be of no value to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. So he's, what he's saying is, if you want to go back to the law, be ready because you've got to do everything. You can't just do some of it. You've got to do all of it. And he says this, you've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law. Now listen, does this mean when I read the Old Testament, that I don't believe it? No. Does this mean when I read that God's ways and you read His, his plans and his, his designs for mankind that you just ignore it? Absolutely not. Here's what they were doing wrong. It's not that they read the Ten Commandments. It's that they wanted to be justified by them. It's not that they read the Mosaic Law. It's that they thought that's what got them into heaven. They were trying to do that to please God. But here's the deal. You couldn't do that to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here's what pleases God. Saying, thank you, Jesus, you have fulfilled the law. Thank you, Jesus, you have made me righteous. Thank you, Jesus, you made me holy. When I couldn't be holy, you made me holy. That pleases God. They went back trying to please God in their own ways. And it says, you've fallen from grace. Verse 5 says this. For we through the Spirit by faith. Listen to that. How are we doing this? How are we waiting? It says through the Spirit by faith. That's how we live. Are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus. Now we know in 2 Corinthians 5 says very clearly we have been made righteous. This hope of righteousness is that righteousness not only working in us and transforming us, but it's also the fullness of the righteousness of God, which we know we'll, we will see not only in our lifetime, but that day when Jesus comes back and our, our body is renewed and glorified, we get a new one, thank God. Some of you are pretty happy with the one you have now, I can tell. Just kidding. Chance is a very humble man, I just... He's put some down payments on that, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> He's made some investments in this one. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. Well, thank God we all get a new one. You know, those temptations and desires you have that are contrary to the will of God, there will be a day when your body is redeemed as well. There will be a day where you don't have to deal with that stuff. But on this planet, you're still going to have that battle, but the battle's already really been won. You've got to let your spirit win every argument. You've got to let your spirit have its way. Here it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you lived by the law all your life, or whether you just got into this. It says it's of no value. It doesn't mean anything. Here's what means something. Faith working through love. That's the only thing that means anything. It's the only way your life's going to mean anything is, is live by faith through the Spirit, through love. And here's what it says. It says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough, which means you can't just have a little bit of this. You can't just have a little bit of this false doctrine and think you're going to be okay. You can't just say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll believe in God, I'll trust in Jesus, but 
I still, I still like a little of that old-time religion. It's good enough for me, right? I like a little bit of that. He says a little bit of it works its way into your whole life. This is true for anything, guys. If I say I am following Jesus fully, but there's one area of my life I keep for myself, and I rebel in that area, and I say, but well, I mean, he's working on me. I'll, I'll leave that for a while. And I don't let him into that spot. Pretty soon, that little bit of rebellion works throughout my whole heart because I've just taught myself that you don't always have to listen to God. That's a stupid plan. You, I really believe, and I've, I'm coming into this more and more, especially these past two years, I really believe this is an all or nothing thing. We really believe God is who He is. The center of the universe that holds all things by the word of His power, holds everything together. He is the point of life. He is the the source of life. He's the purpose in life. If He's all those things, is there anything else worth paying attention to? I believe that being obsessed with Jesus Christ and His resurrection power is a very healthy obsession. I believe, and I said this when I was younger, and I, I still believe it today, that if this is anything, if this, if this gospel is anything to us, it is everything to us. And there's really no halfway with this. I guarantee if you just say, I am going full, I'm, di- I'm diving in the deep end, you just give up the rest of these plans that you have to do part of it his way and part of it your way, and just fully jump in, you'll discover what fullness of joy really is. But here's what he says. He says, a little bit of leaven. Leaven's a whole lump of dough. He says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment. Who is that? This is somebody who's come in and tried to tell them, you're not doing enough, you need to do it this way. He wasn't speaking by the, by the voice of God. He was coming in and trying to push his way onto them. Trying to push the old covenant onto a new covenant church. And the Apostle Paul says, this, this can't fly. He says, the one who's disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. I always wonder if he was just being subtle and he really knew who it was. But he says, whoever he is, he'll bear his judgment. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, now what does he mean? He means if I still preach that the, re, the way you please God is by doing stuff to your flesh, is by pleasing God with this, just, just trying to do your best and, and trying to just live the right way. He says, if I still try to preach that, why am I still persecuted? If I'm preaching the old Jewish ways, he says, why, are they, why do they hate me? He says, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. What does that mean? That means if you live in a better life could get you into heaven, what's the point of the cross? Don't get me wrong. You will live a better life. You will live a moral life. You will live a godly life. God has not called us to be vessels of dishonor. But here's the deal. You will live a godly life because of His work in you, not because of your work for Him. And he says, if I started to preach, go back to the Old Covenant and start to preach the law again, what's the point of the cross? He says, the whole point of the cross is we couldn't do it and Jesus did it. You need to embrace that. In verse 12, it says this, I wish that those who were troubling you would even mutilate themselves. That is a disturbing thought. 
because I don't want to be graphic this morning. But he's talking about circumcision. Then he says, I wish that they'd mutilate themselves. That's all we're going to say. Verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. So right before this, we were talking about people that were set free, but went back to the old ways and were in bondage to the law. But then he says, guys, let me tell you, you're free, but don't be in bondage to sin either. Don't go back and be in bondage to your flesh either. If we're set free, we're going to be free because you had people on both ends. There is, for every road, there are two ditches. And for every road that God has placed, there's somebody in the other ditch. When we say, hey, we've been li- we live by grace, we live by faith, and we're going to live holy as He is holy because He's working in us, there will always be people on this ditch that say, well, I'm not quite sure that you can really do that. I'm not quite sure that we're all living to the standard. And I don't quite think that all of you people who are trusting in Jesus are really trusting as much as you think you are because here's the deal. Here's how you get saved. You try a little harder. Here's how you get saved. You work a little more. There'll always be somebody in the ditch that tries to tell you that. Then there'll be another guy in the other ditch that's basically a hippie that just says, you know what, man? One thing you got to do right in life, you pray the prayer, then do whatever feels good, man. Because, you know, it's covered, right? It's all covered. Like if the bill's paid, I'm going to rack up the room service. Know what I mean, man? (laughs) So, like... If he died for my sin, I'm going to make it worth his while, right? (laughs) So both are stupid. I'm not in the camp that believes that you work a little harder to get yourself to heaven. I'm not in the camp that believes that uh, what we do in this life doesn't really matter anymore. I believe that because I'm born again, my righteousness depends wholly on him. Not on me. My justification is holy in the cross. Not on me. The way I'm going to conquer and to win is to put all my trust, all my faith in His work that He's already done. At the same time, I know that grace is not a license to sin. It's a license to finally be able to live holy. Finally, I'm able to do it. Through His Spirit, through His Just like Jesus did. Really, this is what it's all about. Can we live like Jesus? And I believe you will and can. It says this, But I say, verse, well, let's go back to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. He says this, so use your freedom for one another, to serve one another. He says this, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. So he says all this freedom, here's the point of it. That God has called us for this freedom to serve one another, to build up the body of Christ, to advance the kingdom and to walk in love. He says if you walk in love, you fulfill all the law. He says if you walk by the Spirit, you fulfill the law. And so here's the deal. You don't need to be worried about the law. You need to be fixed and focused on the love of God. 
first and foremost, the love that he had for you, and now the love that's working through you, that same love that's used to serve one another. What a great life. Now, this is Jesus' life, right? Did he use the fact that he was the son of God? Did you use party tricks and stuff? Well, you might say the first miracle was a bit of a party trick, but past that. (laughs) The Bible says that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. His power was not to advance himself. His power was to advance the kingdom. And it says, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. The next verse says, but I say, here's the point, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, this is a huge verse, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the answer to your struggle with the flesh is found purely in walking by the Spirit. Here's the deal. If you try to discipline your flesh by the flesh, Brother David McGrew says it very clearly. He, I love what he said. He said, if you try to discipline the flesh by the flesh, you only strengthen the flesh. Do you know what that means? That means if I try to discipline myself by just the same way I used to do before I got born again, if I try to just try a little harder, use my willpower, try a breathing technique, it's not going to work. And if you are able, I mean, let's think about the Middle Ages. There were people that believed in Jesus but didn't really believe that His power was able to, to rescue them, to save them, they thought a lot of that fell onto them. And so whenever they'd have temptations, do you know what they'd begin to do? Do a little thing called penance. And penance was often, especially in the Middle Ages, look at a guy like Martin Luther, before he realized, and he circled in his Latin Bible, that faith alone, he circled the word solely, alone. Before he realized he was justified by faith, Whenever he'd have those dirty thoughts of his bad things, he'd punish himself. He'd whip himself until he bled. He'd, wo- he'd crawl up bro- stairs with broken glass on them, punishing his flesh. But the Bible says that disciplining your flesh is of little value. Because here's the deal. You know what you're doing? You're using the flesh to discipline the flesh. And in the end, the flesh just gets stronger. It won't work. You've got to walk by the Spirit. Here's the other thing. If I spend all my time, every time I had a bad thought, every time I had a temptation, and I sit on the stair and try to talk myself out of that and try to make myself not think it anymore, do you know what? You're just going to think about it more. You ever notice that? Sister Arlene was trained in early childhood development. She mentioned something to our, some of our nursery workers that was really helpful. Because I grew up in church. And you know what I heard all the time? Two words. Don't run. All the time. Don't run. Don't run, don't run. And one time I corrected my, my, my dad, said, stop running. And I said, because this was a cowboy phase in my life. You may not have known, but I went through a real cowboy phase. <laughs> you can tell, can't you? Um, and I was going, I was, I was doing the horse thing, and not skipping, galloping. And as I was galloping, as I was galloping through the church, my dad said, don't run. And I said, Dad, I'm not running, I'm galloping. And in my mind, my little miniature lawyer mind, that made sense. I'm not running, I'm galloping. 
But Sister Arlene said something that, may, that really helped. She said, don't tell the kids, don't run. Because the minute you say don't run, all they hear is run. I heard run. That's a good idea. I wasn't thinking about that, but now I am, and I can't stop myself. <laughs> so what do you tell them instead? Walk. You give, them, you give them something they should do. Kids, walk. So what are they thinking? Walk. You remember a football coach saying, I don't tell my boys, don't fumble the ball. Because that's all they have running through their heads as they get on the field. Don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble. And they see themselves fumbling over and over and over again. What does he say? Hold on to that ball, son. No matter how many times they hit you from this side and from that side, hold on to the ball. If you have to get your head knocked off once or twice, that's okay. Just we'll put it back on your shoulders as long as the rest of your torso is holding on to that ball. <laughs> right? Hold on to the ball. And so if you try all your life to resist the flesh by thinking of the flesh, it won't work. That's why, to be honest with you, as a preacher, I've discovered not to be very descriptive in sin at all. That when I get up and preach about things that God wants us to resist, don't go into very big detail because your mind starts picturing those things. There's no need. We're holy people. The Bible talks about things that should not even be mentioned. I don't even need to mention them. We walk by the Spirit. We don't need to talk about that stuff. You may think, well, that's not transparent. It's transparent enough, let me tell you. So here's what we do. We walk... By the Spirit. He says, he doesn't say, if you, if you fight it by the Spirit, if you try really hard by the Spirit. He says, walk by the Spirit and you won't fulfill those desires. That's your answer. That's how you fight those things. By really leaving them there and walk by the Spirit. Romans 7 is, um, we're not turning there right now, we're staying in Galatians, but in Romans 7 there's this great battle that's described between the flesh and the Spirit Paul says, I want to serve God. I, I want to serve Him. But I, I end up doing these things I hate to do. And at one point he says, O wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? If you stop there, you think that he's speaking in the present. But you understand, as you read the end of chapter 7 and into chapter 8, he's not describing himself right now. He's describing a man who's still in that struggle. Because by the end of it, he says, but thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. And in Romans chapter 8, he begins to describe to you how Christ has put to death the deeds of the flesh and how we can walk by the Spirit, hear the Spirit, know the will of God, and live the will of God. He says, we have victory through Christ Jesus. See, you used to not be able to win that battle, but now through Jesus, we win every time. But the answer is walking by the Spirit. Now listen, he's going to say a little few verses. I'm going to give you a spoiler. In a few verses, he's going to say this. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. When you got born again, you now live in the Spirit. You're alive. But he says, now that you're alive, live. If you live by the Spirit, start walking by the Spirit. You're alive. And I've said this several times, but it bears repeating that I've played dead before. I know how to play dead. There were no bears nearby when it happened, but I know how to play dead. We can all lie on the ground and pretend we're dead, can't we? Everybody know how to do that? But have you ever seen a dead person play alive? No, you can't. See, we can live like the world, but the world can't live like us. 
You can live like somebody who doesn't know Jesus, but somebody who knows Jesus can't live in the power of the Spirit. So you can be alive in the Spirit and still walk in the flesh, but it's a stupid idea. It's not, it's not a good idea. Here's what he says. If He says, walk by the Spirit, you won't even carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. Now that's good news too, doesn't it? See, if you're living by the Spirit, the Spirit is automatically against the flesh. It automatically puts that flesh down. When you lived according to the law, when they lived according to the law, they were using their mind, their will, their emotions, and their flesh to put the flesh down. And it only made the flesh stronger. But now that we live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit, the flesh has no power over us. That means, guys, let me translate that for you. That means that all the addictions, all the you know, temptations, all the natural emotions. If you're a person that says, I'm Irish, I was born with a temper. Well, trust me. You don't have to be that anymore because now your lineage lies in the seed of Abraham. Now you're a person of faith. Now your father is God. You don't have to say, this is my heritage. Your heritage is his heritage. And so now something's changed in us and you don't have to do that. But like Ephesians 5 says, It says, or Ephesians 4 rather, talks about a man who used to steal. And it says, let the one who steals, steal no longer. But it doesn't just say that. It doesn't just say stop stealing. He says, but rather, let him work with his hands so that he has something to share with the one who has a need. You see, instead of just telling somebody to stop stealing, he told them, start giving. Then he says, stop lying to one another. Then he says, but instead, speak truth in love. See, God never told you just stop doing bad stuff because if that's all you tried to do, you'd go back to that. But he says, don't just stop this. Start living by the Spirit. See, if you live by the Spirit, you're not going to need to do that stuff anymore. You're not going to want to do that stuff anymore. Jesus did not go through life going, please, God, don't let me sin, don't let me sin, don't let me sin, don't let me sin. God, just put me in a coma. To, just put me in a coma till the cross. And I'll wake up and I'll go to the cross and I won't have done anything bad. Please, please. He had women following him. Do you think he's like, oh, please, God. Oh, please, God. Don't let them look at me. Don't let them look at me. No, he w- do you think he struggled with that? The Bible says he was tempted in all things. That doesn't mean he struggled. It means he was tempted and he said no. He responded with the word of God and he had victory over those temptations. So he's, the Hebrew says that he sympathizes with your weaknesses for he's been tempted too and he's there to help you when you're tempted. And it says this. Let's read verse 17 again. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It says this, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Here's how you know what the flesh looks like. It says, their immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Now, he named a lot of things there. Do you notice a common thread through all of those things? The common thread to me seems to be they're all stuff that you do to please yourself. They're all about you. 
They're all exalting you at the top of the pyramid. This is about me, what I feel like doing, what I want to do. Let me read you this to you in another translation so it just becomes a little bit clearer to you. In this, in this verse in Galatians 5, I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. He says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is verse 19, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now I want you to see, one, he says, the works or the deeds of the works of the flesh. Those are things that when he says the deeds, that's because it came from you. The works, they came from you. They came from a human. You're the one that did all those things. But then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. That means the things that naturally come out of a Spirit-led life. Somebody who's living by the Spirit, here's the natural fruit of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want you to notice something important here. Does he say once you start doing all these things, you'll start living by the Spirit? No, he says walk by the Spirit and these are the fruits. This is what will come out of your life. If you just think, I used to, I mean, there's a lot of people who just say, I'm a rotten person. If I let myself do what I want to do, it won't be good. This will not end well. But if you begin to walk by the Spirit, you're going to find that these things aren't so much things that you have to think about all the time. They are things that will naturally flow out of you. Somebody who is naturally walking by the Spirit of God. These are things that begin to flow out of your life and you're wondering where they're coming from. Now, I do believe that you need to cultivate these things. Sometimes you've got to choose to walk in love. The Bible says pursue peace. That means chase it, run after it. It says be diligent to preserve unity. That means you've got to work at it. But I do believe that these things are naturally going to flow out of your life more and more. As you walk by the Spirit. Now you say, how do I walk by the Spirit? To walk by the Spirit, you've got to be led by the Spirit, right? That's what we're doing. We're walking on the path that He called us to. And the only way I can walk on that path is to do what Jesus said. Hear the voice of the shepherd and follow it. And there are two ways that the Spirit's really going to lead you. I mean, more than that, but two primary ways. Externally and internally. That means on the inside of you, you're going to hear the voice of God. We fight against that voice sometimes, and sometimes we'll say this. How many of you have ever said this? I don't know if that was me talking or if that was God talking. You ever said that? I think we've all said that. I had a guy that was in the church in Loon Lake. He was one of those guys that barely ever said anything. Always had a smile on his face. God really rescued him. He had been in a really messed up life. And his wife had been coming to church. Now, they, they've moved since... Uh, since then, they, they don't live in Loon Lake anymore. But his wife had been coming to church, but him and his son had, had been staying home. And it had gone to the point, and 
they've said this publicly so I know I can share it, that their marriage was just about to be torn apart. It was, it was basically over. And remember, it was a New Year's Day service. And I was praying, and, and all of a sudden I looked over, and I saw her husband standing next to her. And he wasn't actually there, but I, I just saw it. God, God just said, he's coming. So this is awesome. I told her this. Thank God she received it in faith. And it wasn't that long until that husband was born again, radically saved, and began to come to church. Not only did he begin to come to church, but he began to develop a life of prayer at home. And I'd been teaching them, hear the voice of the Spirit, do what God says, and no matter how crazy it is, you just do it. And at one point I said this. I said, if God tells you to pray for somebody in the mall, you're going to hear this voice that says, was that God or was that me? And you're going to ask yourself, before you got saved, how often did you get the urge to go up and pray for people? <laughs> Is that your nature? Most of us are not that kind of person. Don't have the urges to go and smack our hand on somebody's head. We just want to go through life and not be bugged, right? I mean, this is my goal. Before I got born again. Well, before I got born again, I was a toddler. But, you know, it, when I'm not living by the Spirit, I, I use the self-checkout line. When, I mean, this is my natural, I just want to stay away from people. But as I let God live, I let God move in me, I, I want to talk to people. I want to share God's love with people. So he had heard me say this. And, I, and then the other thought is, sometimes we think this, was it the devil? Because I don't think the devil's grand plan in life is to get you to pray for as many people as he can. <laughs> like he's like, this is my scheme, this is my plan. I'll get them to pray for people. Not sure how that's going to work, but I bet it would. No, I mean, so if it's not the devil, if it's not just you, it's probably God. So... He remembered this. The Lord had said to him, I want you to go to Meadow Lake and just start praying for people. And I freaked him out, right? I mean, he's like, so he, he ran himself through that test. He's like, was that me or was that God? And he said, Pastor Jonathan, I remember you saying, why would, why would you come up with this idea to pray for people? That's not your nature. He's a very, he was a very quiet person. He's not the kind of person who just sets up a truck on the side of the road and says, you know, free hugs, free prayers. You know, that's not him. So he knew it was God, so he did it. He stepped out of his natural old self and began to walk by the Spirit, and he just set up his truck on the side of the road, put a big sign says, you need prayer, come here. And people were pulling over, and he's praying for them. Now, thank God, isn't that cool? But he had to come to the point that we all come to. Was that God or was that me? You've got to learn to hear that voice of the Spirit and recognize it. That voice of the Spirit, one of the best ways you come to recognize the voice of God is by knowing His Word. You know what He sounds like. You know, it. You know what He says. This is the external, this is, well, it's external and internal because as you read it externally, He enlightens it inside of you. And as I read this Word, I know the will of God. I discover His plan for me. And you're led by the Spirit of God. You've got to get to that point where you consult Him. Remember we read earlier, commit your way to the Lord. You've probably read the verse that says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. So that means in everything, you ask Him, what should we do? Those disciples were used to following Jesus around everywhere He went. If He turned right, they turned right. If He got in the boat, they got in the boat. That was easy, right? He's right there. But he says to them at one point, 
it's good for you if I go away. And I said, how could that be true? He says, it's better for you if I'm not here because I'm going to send my spirit and he's going to live in each and every one of you. You know, those disciples did not stop being followers for the rest of their life. Instead of following a physical Jesus, they followed the spirit of Jesus. Everywhere he told them to go, they went. What if you asked God when you walked into the mall, what's my mission today? He may just say, to buy tomatoes, dude. (laughs) But on the way, I want you to pray for somebody. On the way, I just want you to pray in the Spirit. On the way, I want to talk to you. If you walk by the Spirit, which means letting the Spirit win. So Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. The flesh wants revenge. The Spirit loves. The flesh wants to carry out these sensual desires. The Spirit says, what would love do? What would Jesus do in this situation? Now listen to this. He says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now when something is crucified, is it dead? Yes, it is. Do you know Jesus died? But he rose again. And we died with him. But the part that was risen and resurrected was not the flesh, it was the spirit. So listen, he says, those that belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires. That means it no longer has any hold on you. It doesn't have any power over you. All you have to say is no, and I'm going to walk by the spirit, and it has to listen. If you just are still bound by addiction or temptation or you're struggling with your flesh constantly, you have to realize it's dead. Stop giving it so much power. It doesn't have that over you. And begin to walk by the Spirit. Instead of spending your life saying, I can't do that, I shouldn't do that, I don't need to do that, just start saying, God, what would you like me to do? He will give you things to do with your life, and you're going to stop living that way. I mean, the Bible says... Old things have passed away. And then he says, behold, look at this. New things have come. And he says, all these things are from God. Verse 25, and we'll wrap it up soon here. Verse 25 says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Then he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, brethren, even if, now listen to that, even if anyone, is caught in any trespass, you who are, what? Spiritual. You who are spiritual. Because listen, he's talking to a group of people that have got some spiritual people and they've got some fleshly people. And some of these fleshly people are more religious than everybody else. But they're they're following a fleshly religion. So here's what flesh does. When someone steps out of line, here's how the flesh punishes it. They push them away, they push them down, they beat them down, they want to punish them and make them pay. Isn't that what the Pharisees did? A guy got healed. But because the dude who healed him said, pick up your bed and walk, he got in trouble for that. That's what religion will do. But instead, so this is what the flesh would do. If these fleshly guys get a hold of this guy, they're going to beat him down, they're going to make him feel worse than he ever was, he's going to go further into sin. But it says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Remember, that gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. 
each one looking to yourselves so that you too will not be tempted. Why? Because for the rest of your time on planet earth, you still will deal with the flesh. But Jesus has taught us that we can overcome, that he has overcome, and that if you walk by the Spirit, the struggle's over, the war's over. We're talking about this this morning, not because we look around and say, look at all these people struggling with this stuff, but I believe that we are going to be spiritual people throughout. Inside, outside, all over the place, spiritual people. A spiritual person is not defined by the flesh, and you're not living by the flesh anymore. You walk by the Spirit, and instead of seeing those fleshly stuff come out of your life, you're going to start to see spiritual stuff come out of your life. If you desire love, if you desire joy, peace, patience, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control, you desire these things in your life, begin to walk by the Spirit. Because if all you're doing is pursuing it by the flesh, you will lose every time. I want you to do this and I want you to say this and promise it to God and promise it to yourself that I'm going to walk by the Spirit and every day when I wake up, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm your ambassador. I'm, I'm your servant. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Tell me what to do today. You know, when Peter and John were being led by the Spirit and walking to the temple, and a miracle happened on the way to church, which is where a lot of miracles happen. We've gotten to the point sometimes where we think all the miracles happen in church. Some of the best happen on the way. The way home, on the way there. As they're walking to the temple, and they led to that man who's begging for money, who's lame. As they're being led by the Spirit, the only thing they're hearing is tell that man to walk. Get that man up. Do you know when you start doing the will of God, it's not hard to resist sin. At that point, they're not thinking, well, I could get away. I could steal his money and get away from here. He couldn't chase me. What's he going to do? You know, that wasn't coming in their mind. But a lot of people struggle over and over with this stuff because as hard as they've tried, they've just tried to be non-sinners. They've just tried to be people that don't do bad things. And as long as you make that your life mission, you'll eventually fall back into that stuff. Too many church people have been used to that guy up there being the spiritual guy and me being the guy in the real world. But God didn't create you for that. You're the spiritual people. And you can walk by the Spirit. And you can hear His voice. And you can let these things flow out of you just as much as any minister that's ever stood up here. Because the Bible says that their job is to equip you for ministry. Not show you ministry, but to equip you for it. I believe that you guys are ready. But you know, this is the fruits of the Spirit. Sometimes we think the fruits of the Spirit are all this flashy stuff. You know, the fruits of a spiritual person are going to be Constantly floating on a cloud in a trance. But the real fruit of the Spirit are things that come down into the very nitty-gritty of life. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Would you stand up this morning? I believe... That God wants to fill you with His Spirit and all of these good things. There is no struggle that has not already been won. Can I ask you a question? 
Is there anybody here who believes that if an evil spirit were to show his face in this building, we could cast it out? Do you believe that? Why? Because Jesus totally kicked their butts. He defeated them and stripped them of all power and put them under his feet. And his feet are part of the body and we happen to be the body. So they're under our feet too. Now, if you believe you have power over evil spirit, I want, why do we have power over the evil spirits? Because Jesus defeated them when he rose from the dead. It's the same reason you can defeat the flesh and you can overcome the flesh because Jesus crucified it to the cross. It's dead. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I believe that there are many of you that have gifts inside of you that you haven't even recognized. Gifts inside of you that you haven't even realized are there. Some of us have gone through life saying, this is who I used to be. Thank God I'm not that person anymore. That's part of your testimony. But it's not the end. Because it says old things passed away. But here's what you look at. Here's what you behold. New things have come. You can't spend your life saying, thank God the old things are gone. You have to start saying, thank God the new things came. God is going to replace every part, every part of your body, of your soul, of your life that used to serve the evil one, used to serve the devil, used to serve yourself. He's going to replace that with a, with a passion for him. And you begin to use those same, those same parts of your body, that same time, that same energy in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just thank you for who you are this morning. I believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have overcome the world. You've overcome the flesh. You've overcome sin. You've overcome death, hell, and the grave. We stand victorious in Christ Jesus. Lord, I ask that these brothers and sisters that stand with me this morning will begin to see themselves in victory and freedom that you would teach us to walk by the Spirit just as, just as clear as we see the road in front of us with our eyes, that we would see the road that you've placed in front of us with our spirit. That we begin to walk in your way and not our own. Lord, I believe that you've designed us to be spiritual people, full of the Holy Spirit, flowing in the Holy Spirit, without regard to the flesh, without regard to the world, but instead walking just as Jesus walked. And guys, I want you to know that the, I believe the Spirit of God is saying this and saying it strongly, that Jesus has got to be your only example, your big example. You may have other heroes, you may have other people you admire, but Jesus is your prototype. You can't live your life trying to be your favorite preacher. You can't live your life trying to be your favorite missionary. You live your life saying, I walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With the power of Jesus, with the Spirit of Jesus. He is your teacher. He's your leader. He is your shepherd. Father, we just surrender ourselves to you right now. Our life dreams, our plans. God, I pray 
that we'd be strengthened in the inner man, filled up to the fullness of God, that Christ would be formed in us. Here's what I believe that God is saying, and here's what I think we need to hear before we close. That many of us have felt the tug and the pull to come up another level, to step up to where God has you. And I know you may have heard that so many times you might be tired of it, but I'm telling you right now that it's strong that some of you have felt that tug for so long you just didn't know how to get there. But as a wise man of God once said, if you just listen to God and do what He says every day, step by step, before you know it, you'll look up and you're where you're supposed to be. Some of you, and I just... I just know you're here this morning. Some of you have just spent all this time trying to, trying to see the end of your journey, trying to see that's where I'm supposed to be. How do I get there? And you're focusing so hard on it. You don't know how to get there because it's so far away or it's so high up. But here's what the Lord would say to you. Walk by the Spirit daily. Every day say, where am I to be today? And before you know it, you'll be where you're supposed to be. That He's going to lead you step by step as He led Abraham as he led the children of Israel. And the Bible says that God led the children of Israel. As he went, he led them by a cloud of smoke and a pillar of fire. And it says that he went before them and prepared a place for them to encamp every night. God has got a place for you to encamp. And he alone knows where that's supposed to be. He has developed a land for you to dwell in and to be prosperous in and to, and to know the goodness of God in and to flourish in and to grow. But you've got to listen to Him step by step. I want some of you who have just been, I mean, you've got, you've got the far off. You know where you're supposed to be a long way from now. You've got a big goal ahead of you. You don't know how to get there. Can you come here and we're going to pray for you.